you're listening to The Deadly Dose, hosted by Harini Bot and Megan Gesner. Welcome back. First and foremost, Harini, I really mm. love your nails. Oh, thank you. <laughs> They're yeah. really uh, grimy right now. I'm actually going to get them redone today because they have outgrown. Oh. <laughs> so exciting. What design are you going to get? Um, I don't know. We have – this is going to sound so pompous, but uh, – Dave has a work gala. It's actually St. Patrick's is for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I think I told you about this. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be all it's gonna be the Irish club of of Penang, Malaysia, which I didn't know there were so many oh, Irish people. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Knowing how expats, people who work in Malaysia celebrate mm-hmm. because Malaysia is a big holiday country. Like they love to celebrate their holidays. So when you get the Aussies out there, when you got all the European expats mm-hmm, out there, mm-hmm. they do go hard. They love to drink. Yes. That cheap, cheap, yes, cheap, yes. cheap Malaysia beer. That's yeah. right. I don't know how this is going to go because it's in a very fancy, it's supposed to be like a gala. So it's a very fancy mm-hmm. hotel. So I'm like, I don't know. How, like, how ruckus are we going to get? How fancy are we going to get? It's going to be a good, good time. <laughs> yeah. So basically, with that being said, I'm like, do I wear? Do I use green nails or do I put green nails? Because St. Patrick's Day. Ooh. But I think I'm ultimately going to go for like a spring floral look. Okay. So yeah. we'll see what that is. Watch me just go yeah, bright neon like- orange. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing St. Patty's Day related. No. Just going to show I up guess orange, kind of. Yeah. No. I love a good jade green. I got oh, those jade right. green nails a long time ago. Really love that. It's a good uh, color. Actually, Megan, yeah. I think that's what I'll do. Because it's very classic yeah, and it's still it, on theme. And it's still very spring oriented, if especially yes. if it's like that pastel, pale jade Ooh. green. Ugh, gorgeous. Love it. Yeah. I will do that. Sounds Anyways. great. Glad we sorted that out. <laughs> Megan, Megan does not have her nails on today, but no. <laughs> Megan's hands are so beautiful, you guys. Like she must be a hand model. She must have been oh, a hand model in a different life. You. And she Maybe will be in this life. life. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I was a, yeah. a hand model because I think I have the slenderness mm-hmm. in my hands for it. Mm-hmm. But it is so dry and cold in San yeah. Diego right now. Even though it's been raining, it's still like dry, cold air. Right. And my eczema's come back. I got mm-hmm. the eczema mm-hmm. patches on my dry hands. Oh, you can be an eczema hand model. True. I could show myself putting on yes. that CeraVe, yeah. that Lubriderm. Yes. I like yeah. that. That's more realistic anyways. Very Who the true. hell has buttery ass hands these days? Nobody. Hand models. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> so anyways. Yeah. That has nothing we to do some... with what we're talking about today. No, not at all. We love some hand talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Harini. It's Harini's turn to share today. She's got a little update for us. Mm-hmm. We talked yeah. about this topic in our previous episode mm-hmm. um, when stuff was going down. But Harini, I'll turn it over to you. Sounds good. Yes. So I did a little sneak peek. The the Ohio train derailment situation. I just mm-hmm. gave a very quick overview last time, but I decided since now we it's been about almost a month now, not even a month actually. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give a full less than a month. Yeah, because it happened yeah. on February third. Yeah. So I wanted to give a full overview and a little bit of an update of what we know so far. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe most of us have heard, if not, about the Ohio train derailment. So let's talk about it right now. In mm-hmm. On February 3rd, as I said, on February 3rd, 2023, in East Palestine, Ohio, everything started out normal as ever in the morning. But then there were signs that something was off. 
There was a foul smell coming from the tap water in people's homes. There were strange rashes that began to appear on people's bodies. And the rivers were scattered with fish and frogs belly up. Mm. That's what gets me the most are the animals. I know. Uh, the thoughts of like seeing a bunch of little frogs just like their legs splayed belly up. I know. And so this, is, this is just and coming off. Too, of and the fish. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I was just going to say, and this is coming off that TikTok video I sent you of that frog. <laughs> I know. Like, we've been we've been sharing a lot of frog content recently yeah. and I'm never not interested in frog content. <laughs> I actually really, really like frogs. Harini sent me this video of this man who made this amazing villa yeah. for these frogs that just inhabit like his fence. <laughs> And um, that's pretty much it. But it was just yeah. like one frog so and then two frogs came and then three frogs and it just kept building. And building. Kept building. And anyway. then they had babies and he built, yeah. built a pool. As soon as, as soon as he built, because it was all 3D printed, he built this yeah. frog a pool based on the viewer suggestions. They're like, he, need, he needs a pool. Yeah. He needs a pool. So he's like, you're right. Yeah. So he builds a pool and then overnight he invited all his frog friends and they all just like we're yeah, chilling the once, pool together. Once he had a pool, all the frogs came through to play. That's right. Okay. A total of 38 cars, 11 of which were carrying hazardous materials, derailed in East Palestine. And the residents near the site were told to evacuate, of course, because the shrapnel from the impending explosion was calculated to travel up to one mile. The train was carrying vinyl chloride, which is a hazardous chemical. And if the train exploded, it would release toxic hydrogen chloride and phosphine gas into the atmosphere. Mm. To avoid this shrapnel explosion, the EPA authorized an intentional slow burning of the toxic chemical vinyl chloride. And just really quickly, vinyl chloride is a colorless flammable gas that can cause headaches and dizziness after being inhaled and potentially after sustained exposure, a rare form of liver cancer. State and federal agencies reassured EP residents that the municipal water supply remained unpolluted. But in that very same sentence, they still recommended that they use and drink bottled water. So, mm -hmm. you know, mixed signals. <laughs> yeah. I would just straight out be like, we're unsure if the yes. groundwater is safe to drink. We recommend you drink bottled water right now. Correct. And the truth which we all know is it's not safe to drink. The groundwater is not mm -hmm. safe to drink. That those, all of those chemicals, it's been it's a slurry of chemicals, which we'll get into. It's not just one, mm -hmm. have been seeping into the water, the groundwater. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I I was just reading an article that was published just hours ago, as of yesterday, and it was just mo mostly talking about talking to residents, current residents, and getting a peek inside their life. What what does their life yeah. look like right now? And essentially, it was this father who is like, I'm cooking cooking everything with bottled water. I'm washing my mm. kids' fruit in the morning, their blueberries with bottled water because I just don't know. Like, I have kids, young kids, and I don't know what mm -hmm. this water would do to them long term because no one's telling us anything. So we're just right. taking the safest route that we know, which is I know this bottled water is safe and we're going to use that. So mm -hmm. that's pretty much the state for everybody right now. Nearly two weeks after the incident, residents find that it's still not safe to return home, even though they were cleared to do so. Mm. The EPA stated that they screened 459 homes and found no vinyl chloride or hydrogen chloride in these homes. And they, that's something that they're still testing today. They keep saying that there's nothing. There's, they find no particulates, no traces of toxic chemicals or fumes. It's safe to go back. Mm. In virtually the same breath, the town people found out that the train was actually carrying more toxic chemicals than just vinyl chloride. And this is when the people start to feel things were being kept from them. 
And again, over this past weekend, February 25th, officials stated the air quality in the town is normal. Yet residents are experiencing and continue to experience respiratory issues, headaches, sore throats, and watery eyes, which are common symptoms of vinyl chloride and acrylate exposure, another chemical that the train was carrying. The EPA is currently shipping waste from the incident to an underground injection well, while solid waste is going into an incinerator. Both of these facilities are in Ohio. So I'm just kind of like, it's like taking your laundry from the laundry room and just like putting it into your room, but not unpacking it. Like, it's like, it's just taking one thing from another. Like, why would you keep it in Ohio? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just like the best current situation or solution for them. Not really sure. Although the freight company Norfolk Southern is being held responsible and vows to thoroughly clean up the site, EP residents feel the damage is done and they're worried about long-term effects, like rightfully so. One of the residents, Therese Viglotti, who's 47 years old, told the New York Times, quote, I just don't want to be diagnosed with cancer or something 10, 15 years down the line because of their mistake. Mm-hmm. She was outdoors the night that the chemicals were burned and said that her tongue still feels scalded and had blood in her stool for two days. Part part of this that is, I mean, I just don't know enough about it to know if there was a better solution to the problem mm-hmm. besides just mm-hmm. burning it. But I, right. I just like... I don't know. Like, I just feel like it's just, it was so close to where people were living. It just can't be good either way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the solution would have been. <laughs> was it burned on site where the yes. freight crash? Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know because I'm not a I'm not a waste disposal expert. That right, is, right. of course, I'm not. Um, but I'm curious <laughs> to know what would the cost be because I'm sure you know. Uh, financial costs obviously is calculated mm-hmm. into this. What would the cost be to pick up, like physically, yeah. to scoop that soil, to get tr- tractors out there to m- take the soil, move it, and then burn it elsewhere? You right, know what? Right. Those I'm sure all those possibilities were talked about, but I'm just curious what each <laughs> hypothetical could have been. Agreed. Um, that's and, all. And actually, as you were saying, that was like, was was there a way to like? pick up the burning parts of the train and, and like transfer it somewhere that would have been right that's probably un- more unlikely but also when there's a fire you put it out there must be a way yeah. to extinguish the flames and control the explosion somehow mm-hmm. uh, that would basically zero out uh any types of impending explosion instead of essentially beating the train to it by just burning right. it already uh, before right. it even happens. I, I would say just extinguish the flame somehow. There must be some sort of way that you can chemically do that to, mm-hmm. to stop the flames and then you would contain it essentially. And then you could then once it's all done, extinguished, you can take those train parts and then ex- uh, put them in waste safely, dispose of it safely. Yeah. I'm curious to see what my coworker, he's our facility slash environmental health and safety go-to guy at the lab. And mm-hmm. I'm sure he's he's always Googling the drama. Oh. So I'm sure he's oh, he very well versed on what's, yeah, all the time. That's so um, I'm going to ask him his opinion on like, what do you know yeah. about vital chloride? It doesn't make sense to burn it as disposal. Yeah. Could there have been other safer, safe, safer options? I just feel like any sort of burn but uh, you know this is coming from us doing the burn pits coming from yeah. us doing multiple air pollution yes. toxicity stories i just feel like i do have a sensitivity to anything that's airborne yeah. i think is one of the most risky for greater population 100%. damage 100 percent 
I mean, so. I this is like it, it ended up being kind of related, but I was going back into my research. Remember, I did the story about Claire Patterson and the Age of the Earth mm-hmm. and about lead, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm going back because I'm going to do that as like a YouTube video. So I'm like redoing mm-hmm. the research for that. And I was reading more and his – there's basically – he did so many studies I did not cover in the episode, but I was reading mm-hmm. some of them. One of his studies was he went to something – Thompson Canyon in Yosemite. Okay. I don't know if you know where that is. But it's a very – he purposely chose a very remote part of Yosemite where he knew there would be very – the minimal amount of human pollution or even just mm-hmm. a human intervention. And he decided to go to the top of one of the mountains in Thompson Canyon where there'd be even less pollution, like even by animals. And he tested mm-hmm. the soil and like, et cetera, et cetera. There was, based on his calculations and the analysis, there was so much lead and all that lead, 95% of it had drifted more than 300 miles away from LA. Wow. And that's a remote yeah. part of yeah, yeah. California. Like, can you imagine right. how much pollution there would be in Mm -hmm. LA or in these urban Mm -hmm. cities like San Francisco Mm -hmm. itself that is going into our human bodies. So yes, the point with that is burning something and having that airflow, like even if it's not windy, Mm -hmm. it will drift. Eventually it will drift and that will have significant consequences, not just for the people of Ohio, but Mm -hmm. probably across the US as well, if not like other parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with you, Megan, like the decision to burn, uh, knowing that it will go into the air is something that I definitely question. But again, I don't know enough to know if there was mm-hmm. a better solution. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's also mm-hmm. bizarre and upsetting is that Norfolk Southern was not required to notify local officials of what the train was carrying prior to going through the town of East Palestine because it was not considered a high hazardous material train, which is insane. Now, there is a push for Congress to reevaluate these categories for what they consider hazardous enough to report. Because now that this whole situation has happened and all this information is coming to light, the people, as well as like just the general public of the United States, are like, this is definitely a hazardous material train. In what world did this not fit under that category of considered hazardous? So now they're going to have some bill and legislation hopefully pass uh, through Congress. And the residents are confused to see workers busily rebuilding the railroad tracks when they don't even know if their water is safe to drink or the air safe to breathe. When I initially did the story about two weeks ago, the residents counted 3,500 dead fish. As of February 28th, that number shot up to 45,000 animals dead as a result of the toxic train crash. (sighs) Yeah, that's a lot. So mm-hmm. Mary Mertz, who directs the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, or, or ODNR for short, reported that all the animals that are dead are aquatic animals. So again, like fish, mm-hmm. frogs, et cetera, and says that there is no current evidence that any land animals have died or were affected by the pollution. I personally believe that not to be true because mm-hmm. I – so I did the story and posted on TL Science and I had so mm-hmm. many people tag me in videos. And even Megan, you, you mm-hmm. and I were videos back and forth. I had someone mm-hmm. – um, there's basically – I don't, don't want to say a fox enthusiast, but he, he kind of cares for wild foxes and makes sure mm-hmm. that they're healthy and just like watches over them in Ohio, like mm-hmm. less than right. a, a mile away from, from the, the, cra- uh, the, the yeah. site. 
And he had was he's been posting videos like live updates on his channel on TikTok showing that these animals are sick. The foxes are dying, and mm. they're not. They're clearly not well. They're because they're drinking from the the waters. They have no other source yeah. of water to drink from. And whatever mm-hmm. foods or fruits and other animals that they're eating, they're also contaminated. Like it's all going to go up the food chain now. So yeah. the fact that they're saying that n- this is not affecting land animals is it's just not true. It's just not true. Yeah. I feel like that's a really weird thing to say because I think anybody can recognize that environmental systems overlap, whether it's aquatic or land or air. Totally. All those things tie into each other. And so I feel like that is a very weird, broad assumption or like statement of confidence to be like, Mm -hmm. okay, it's just aquatic animals. So land animals look like it's fine because we have we have seen no proof of that or whatever like yeah 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 very odd yeah because if mean, your mm-hmm. if your count of dead aquatic animals has risen from three thousand whatever to forty five thousand <laughs> yeah i'm like there's no way that's not overlapping into non-aquatic areas i mean first of all if humans are experiencing detrimental symptoms you yeah. better believe that the animals are too because they are not enclosed in homes in the safety of their homes or have the ability to travel somewhere else completely different or drink bottled mm-hmm. water like you you better believe that they are definitely being affected now whether or not there's actually like dead animals i don't know but i know that they yeah. are being affected for sure yeah and, the, and to that point seven and a half miles this might be more at this point seven and a half miles of river and stream are polluted from the intentional mm-hmm. burning in a seven and a half mile wide radius. In addition, much of this town is farmland. So they rely on well water for drinking and for their animals. A lot of them have horses, they have cattle. Disgruntled residents feel the EPA allow the intentional burning to expedite the timeline to get the trains back and running again, which kind of coincides with basically, I think it was not even just like a week after the crash, they had uh, workers come in to rebuild the railroad. So why did this train derail in the first place? What happened? There is some video evidence that one of the wheels essentially broke under pressure or one of the sensors were having issues. And then I listened to John Stewart's podcast, which I highly recommend everyone to listen to if you want more mm-hmm. details. Uh, he covers this. So the news mm-hmm. broke that the brakes on Norfolk Southern's train are from the Civil War era, and they don't want to replace them. I don't know why. They mm-hmm. they love the Civil War era brakes. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't... And under the Obama administration, there were reforms to upgrade these mm-hmm. breaks to at least 1990 breaks. Still not brand new, but mm-hmm. at least better than 18, 1860s. Yeah. Yeah. And this continued under the Trump administration, but then the railroads lobbied and got them repealed under Trump. And now the current transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, has not revived those reforms. We'll we'll come back to that. So more importantly, what are these toxic chemicals? So we talked about a mm-hmm. few of them. There are there's actually a whole list that I didn't share here, but you can definitely look at them. I'll provide the source notes at the in the description. But there's at least I think I remember seeing at least eight or nine different chemicals on board. So mm. some some of the more important ones are vinyl chloride, hydrogen chloride, ethyl hexyl acrylate, and butyl acrylate. Even okay. just a minute amount of these toxins can stay in the soil for years. Exposure to high levels of hydrogen chloride can cause corrosive damage to the eyes, skin, and lungs. Long-term effects can be pulmonary edema and even death in extreme cases. 
According to the New Jersey Health and Human Services, acrylates are to be handled as a carcinogen with extreme caution and are embryo toxic. There may be no mm. safe level of exposure. That is a direct quote from their mm. site. According to the EPA's disclosure about the transcargo, an entire load of butyl acrylate was lost in the crash to spills and fire. That's just going mm. into the soil. But this also opens up a bigger question about laws and regulations around the railroad and railroad workers because of essentially – how did we even get to this problem to this point? This this mm-hmm. was in my eyes, and I and this is a common sentiment, this was entirely mm-hmm. preventable. So so what mm-hmm. are we missing here? A former railroad worker on John Stewart's podcast reveals that for a long time they had no sick days, zero sick days. They had amazing compensation, which is what kept people mm-hmm. staying around, but no sick days. Just Mm -hmm. two weeks ago, after this happened, just two weeks ago, four out of the 13 railway unions unions negotiated a whopping four paid sick days for the entire year. There is this illusion that the U.S. railroad industry is a dying and unprofitable one. This railroad Mm -hmm. worker said, quote, there is no other industry in America that has profit margins like the railroad industry. Mm -hmm. Norfolk Southern, for example, the company whose train derailed, makes $12 billion in revenue. And as compensation for all the havoc that was caused in EP, Norfolk Southern offered $20,000, not per person, total. I don't know if that number has changed. They are doing Mm -hmm. other things that are not – they do cost money, but it's not something that's directly given into the hands of people. Like, for example, they're – figuring out a waste disposal site. They're they're providing meals and like, et cetera, transportation, different housing situations, right. like those kinds of things. Right. Uh, but the actual compensation that's going into the hands of the residents is $20,000 total. Well, in terms of $20,000, mm-hmm. I would love to see how much it costs to replace railroad brakes. Like what is the cost of that? That's all. Yeah. That's all I want to look at. I mean – I don't care how much it costs. It has to be done. You know, like I don't care. You, it, it could cost twelve billion dollars. Your whole entire revenue. You're gonna do it because why yeah. are we having Civil War era anything in 2023? Mm-hmm. It's just insane. Like when I heard that and read that in several sources, I could not believe. I couldn't believe it. I was like, yeah. I didn't know that we're still using Civil War era Civil War era technology in right. uh, our trains. So they're vintage. Yeah, they just they're they're just vintage, vintage. lovers. They yeah, to thrift. Yeah, they've got twelve billion to spend, but they're yeah. thrifty. We're thrifty. Yeah, the fact that there's that they they or whoever lobby yeah. to not have that reform go through to change the brakes. I am curious why the thrift. Like why <laughs> why be so thrifty. <laughs> That's why I want to know how much does it cost? I hear you, Harini. I do. But I'm like, why are you trying to nickel and dime this one no, thing totally. around safety? Yeah. But it's just also a comment on the fact that their workers didn't even get a sick day until they the un- union had to do what they had to do and get their Correct. four sick days or however many. That's Correct. also a comment on them. Just maybe they're just sheep, sheep, yep. greedy railroad barons have not changed <laughs> industry. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Like we've they're- come so far. <laughs> We we have and we clearly haven't. Yeah. I think that's maybe the impression why we why there is that impression like, oh, railroad industry is a dying industry yeah. because we still feel like it's like this railroad barren time. Right. So. Even though that's long past, but they're they're still it's just seems so archaic. Maybe it's just like a culture. Like they wanna keep that eighteen hundred sentiment. It's just rick it just sounds rickety. Yeah. <laughs> 
It does. It sounds rickety and cold. And yeah, like I it's don't know. to me, it sounds like we're still lighting the coals with matches or something like that. Like, yeah. what, what? I feel is like they on? probably are. They, like, it's like it's giving is giving Laura Ingalls, well, like Little House on the Prairie. They have their salted pork <laughs> in a handkerchief yeah. wrapped up for the whole winter. Uh, that's always the salted pork, salted yep. pork and butter. Yep, if you can always. afford it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, anyway, someone like the the entire railroad industry is just nostalgic, just very nostalgic for yeah. their the, the old days. So weird. I had to laugh because John Stewart on the podcast, his the correspondent the expert was saying they they were doing reforms to update the brakes to the nineties, and he was like the nineteen nineties, correct? <laughs> <laughs> and and to kind of go deeper into. I guess the archaicness in a way, there's something mm-hmm. called precision scheduled railroading. Uh, okay. And it's this, it just has this era of, you know, very militant discipline of the railroad industry. Mm-hmm. And part of that is inspecting each railroad car for at least four to five minutes, being thorough, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah. Now it's required to do the entire inspection in 60 seconds. Very precision. Why? Okay. Okay, but uh, so, but the the precision remains, like the thoroughness remains, even of though the time not. has been cut short. Oh, okay, I, mean, I was, I was sure if they like not. actually gotten so efficient, like so good at their jobs that they're like, all right, one minute to look through this whole goddamn yeah. car. I mean, um, how okay, how I can you? Like, nothing can be done. Like the, being some doing something quick and precise mm-hmm. often don't go together in, in any business. Sure. Yeah, you know, you if you're going to yeah. be thorough, it takes as long as it takes. Uh, I get yeah. like you can't spend forever, but 60 seconds is very, very quick. And yeah. that is exactly the reason why this situation happened because not all the yeah. cars were inspected thoroughly for these break-in mm-hmm. systems or for what making sure everything was packaged correctly or whatever it might have been. But essentially th- that quick inspection is what led to these events happening. And this is just a quick final thought on the rail like topic on the railroad industry. During the pandemic, railroad workers were given papers to show the police during quarantine that said they were considered essential workers and must go to work. Hmm. And this includes if a railroad worker was working during a chemical leak or was exposed to a chemical leak at work, this would not be a cause for a sick day. So this just I'm just hmm. adding more color to the culture of these businesses. Yeah. They are not essential workers, but they they want hmm. them to just keep working. There is no excuses for taking some time off. I was actually going to say that I understand why they'd be considered essential workers because there's there is something about the transportation of goods that on a big enough level like you need those people to get the stuff to uh, like to me yeah, that yeah. does qualify as essential, but I un- also understand what you're saying like maybe in the context of COVID, essential workers mostly covered like healthcare, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I I get what you're I get what you're putting down, but I could also I could also honestly see the argument to say why like people that work in freight and stuff like that would mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. essential workers. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think the but maybe but they shouldn't. That doesn't mean that they should be using that slip even after they've been exposed to a toxic chemical leak. <laughs> no, totally, and I I one hundred percent agree with you. Like there are some mm-hmm. certain industries beyond healthcare that were and mm-hmm. are considered essential during these pandemic Mm -hmm. or emergency type situations. I think for the workers, and this is something that even the health, the healthcare industry had qualms with. They had no Mm -hmm. say in the matter. You know, they're, Mm -hmm. I'm, I know so many healthcare workers who were terrified of showing up to work and 
afraid of getting COVID before we even had the vaccines, you know? Right. And it's right. like they had no choice. You have to show up to work. You have to be there. Um, and yeah. I think the same kind of holds true for the other industries that were deemed essential by their, you know, CEOs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And didn't feel comfortable. I think I think it's just a culture of them not getting a lot of say, even when they have these unions. I mean, it's a testament that even just two weeks ago, they got even some sick days, right? Yeah. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, just a few weeks before this happened, the train derailment, the railroad unions were on strike. Like the workers were on strike mm-hmm. for a while because of yeah. all of these kind of antiquated rules and regulations that they had to follow. Yeah. So finally, last Thursday... After almost three weeks, the U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg visited East Palestine and admitted that he, quote, could have spoken sooner about the incident. So this was something that was swirling around. I don't know if you're you're familiar with what was going on, but people were pissed (laughs) at Pete Buttigieg and his just lack of urgency. They were frustrated because this is essentially in his wheelhouse. And he he blames Norfolk Southern and the former administration under President Trump for easing up on these railroad regulations. But let, mm. let's remember, Pete Buttigieg, you haven't attempted to reinstate those regulations either now that you're in the transpo- yeah. you're now in the transportation secretary that were right. actually initiated and proposed under the Obama administration. So there's yeah. like this air, like I've, I, there's basically a, a quote from one of the Republicans, and I don't say, like, I don't want us to be like Republicans versus Democrats or anything like that, but mm-hmm. they are correct. We're all correct. He is correct in saying that this is not a blame game. Like you can't be, he, mm-hmm. he's, he basically was telling or saying that Pete Buttigieg was in a mindset of blaming others, pointing fingers instead of mm-hmm. just doing his job. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with that. Yeah. It, yeah. it shouldn't take you three weeks to get to the site of the Ohio train derailment yeah. and talk to the the residents of East Palestine and hear their no. concerns. It, it shouldn't yeah. when that's your literally your job. So, I mean, that's just my opinion. But yes. Anyway, so that's that's essentially the wrap up. Yeah. More news to come, I suppose, on mm-hmm. the, the hard part right now is we don't know what the long-term effects are going to be because I do personally feel like there's a lot being held back. In terms mm-hmm. of what the EPA and th- the railroad uh, industry, especially Norfolk Southern, is revealing to the public. So there is still a lot yeah. of concern because they do feel like they're very much in the dark. Uh, but mm. at this point, a lot of people are leaving. I wanted to talk, quickly talk about the impact. I wanted to read more articles about the actual residents and, and how their life is is like right now. Mm-hmm. And across the board, people are saying that this is akin to like Chernobyl. It's akin to 9-11 and uh, mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor in the sense that mm-hmm. you, everyone in this town or even in the state of Ohio is going to know where they were when this happened. And yeah. it's this whole situation, this disaster is going to be marked by what your life was like before February 3rd and what it's now like afterwards. And that just seems to be the entire sentiment of the town and how they feel. And one of the Mm -hmm. residents that CNN, this is a CNN article they talked to, him and his wife have a garbage disposal company. And their company is just meters away from the train crash site. And they were literally choking back tears talking to this reporter, this journalist, because they're like, our livelihood is gone. We yeah. all these people are leaving now. We grew our company from five employees, five customers to over seven thousand, and that's the mm-hmm. cor- over the course of eighteen years. And all of that was just wiped in a matter of days because people right. don't want to live here anymore, and and understandably so. They don't feel safe. They don't feel like they're being told exactly what's going on. There's no transparency. 
and what are they left to do except for leave? And they're just mourning the loss of a hometown, a loss of a job, uh, not even a job, their livelihood and a way of life. So, mm-hmm. and this is just something, that's just one story I'm sure of many, but it, it is very, very sad. And I think this is a callback that Ohio has seen a lot of these environmental mm-hmm. disasters and they have yeah. a history of this. This is, and I'm referring to uh, the Cuyahoga River fires mm-hmm. that have been happening for, for, I think they had 13 fires, right, Megan, mm-hmm. over the coast, yeah. course of like several decades. Yeah. But that's not just it. They've had other environmental disasters. For whatever reason, Ohio has been just this ground zero for a lot of these issues. So I totally feel for them. Something has to be done because this is – it's honestly getting ridiculous. But that's yeah. That's the update I have for you guys. Absolutely. Um, sorry, Cuyahoga. I, I know. Cuyahoga. <laughs> I know you said, yeah, yeah. I'll get again. I just want to make sure. Hey, we we see you, Cuyahoga folks. Sorry, we sorry. Know, <laughs> we know how to say it. It's really sad, and I don't think it's being covered as deeply as it should be. So I think it's just really important to spread the information because I've had people reach out to me. They're like, I'm in Ohio, and I didn't even know about this. That this is happening. I feel like this is much more quiet than it should be and i always wonder how does that happen like how does the news pick and choose what's going to be really highlighted because i'm like this is a big deal the the epa was involved yeah like this is a big deal epa was involved like this is like when um the meltdown on three mile island like that was so i mean i think there's some stuff under the surface there that that Mm -hmm. was a benefit to anti um nuclear nuclear energy so yeah. of course that became big news because it like mm-hmm. benefited whoever didn't want to go nuclear, right? Right. Um, right. but for this, it's like, hey, Flint, Michigan was not too long ago, and they're still probably feeling the effects of that. Dude. Not a surprise if we're this is the same path of action here. Right. So I, I totally freaking agree. It's makes me feel embarrassed as a country. I'm like that we allowed this to first happen and that we also look it's a this happened. Okay. It's 100% preventable, but it's happened. So what do we do now? I'm also mm-hmm. embarrassed how we dealt with it because that was mm-hmm. the moment of re- moment for redemption as a country. Yeah. And we just did not show up for our people. And that's really disappointing yeah. because that could be you next time. That could be your town next time. Right. It doesn't just have to right. be in Ohio. And if they don't show up for you, then what are we paying for? What are we? Who are we voting for uh, to protect us? Right. It doesn't make any sense. And what I was going to say is, in terms of uh, the news coverage, like even on social media, like it, it's almost to the point where I, I I start to get these like trickles of conspiracy theory. I'm like, is this being suppressed? Mm. Because I did a story on this, so like yeah. the algorithm, technically, because I did a story mm-hmm. on this, it should bring me more. Uh, videos and information right. about Ohio. I have not gotten any. Yeah. I think I got one after you sent me that video, and that was yeah. it. Was and like, we what? know, and we know the algorithm works. It works. I, like ha- there have been so many times where I will not even look something up on TikTok. It yeah. will be in a text message. It will be yes. maybe through Instagram, and they definitely those apps talk to each other. But yes. like that shit will pop up. Oh, you were interested in this? Here you right. go. But it that's that's what's so weird to me because I'm like, this definitely has not popped up on any of my news no. areas, my news, my social media, nothing. And I'm like, but you know what? Is it conspiracy? Because we do know that this these things to suppress to suppress certain media or news stories is real. Mm. 
I think so too. And for what reason, yeah. I'm not really sure, but that's why we just got to spread the news. We'll do it on our yeah, own. Yeah. And do your digging. Yeah. You know, going back to people pointing fingers politically. No, stop pointing fingers. Let's yeah. just find a solution together. Yeah. And that's going to be very idealistic. I think that is naively idealistic to say. So things I'll be looking up. I'll be looking up these chemicals. What's the safest way for disposal? I'll be looking up political names affiliated with railroad baron lobbying. Yes. <laughs> we'll look into that. See who is really in each other's pockets because I think that is a huge thing here. Agreed. Look at look at what news outlets are in those same circles mm-hmm. because that will mm-hmm. probably tell you why this news is being suppressed. That's true. Good thinking. That's well, all I'm saying. I, That's all, all I'm saying. <laughs> on that uh, note, I think Megan brought up a really good point or example, mm-hmm. which is – I just want to remind everyone for any of our episodes or anything that we put out there, it's always going to be your starting point. It's not your end all be all as Megan astutely pointed out. I'm going to keep researching. I'm going to keep digging. Use this as your jumping off point to dig deeper and be curious and ask those questions. All right. Best of luck to all of those who have been impacted yes. by the spill to all the folks in East Palestine um, if there's any of you who are listeners mm-hmm. or are in proximity to this and you have resources as to what we can share yeah. or even um, uh, donations or anything like that, please email us. Okay, let's move on to antidotes. My antidote is that I'm working from home two days this week. Hell <laughs> yeah. And it's very exciting. And that's it. <laughs> I love Simple it. Simple pleasures. Love. My antidote is I, I was just lucky to go to the Cameron Highlands. I was telling this to Megan before we hopped on, but uh, the Cameron Highlands are like this tea station, tea highlands, plantations, whatever that you can go to. And it's just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. It's a very quiet mountain town. Something that I've been really, really missing since coming here is being able to drive and just like that freedom of just yeah, yeah, yeah. just going, just picking up and going wherever you want. So being able to drive, yeah. it, was, it was a four-hour drive. I enjoyed it very much. Did you drive just some? Out. Did you finally I drive on the other it. side of the road? So I exciting. Didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, you didn't? No, no, no. Oh, oh you didn't. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to. I asked Dave like several times, but he was like, you're not insured, so I don't want to risk it for the biscuit. And I was like <laughs> – Fair enough. I won't disagree with Dave. It's like, okay, I, dad. Should, yeah. you. I feel like you should get one chance to just see what it's like to drive on the other side of the road because it's a fun experience. Like it's different, it you know? Exactly. And he was yeah. tired. He was getting tired of driving. So I was like, I'm right here. Oh I'll help you. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways. Yeah. Uh, so I did not get to drive. But I got to experience secondhand, secondhand driving freedom. Yeah. Just yeah, it's nice. Yeah. It's still nice. And then um, mm-hmm. we got to do a jungle trek. And, and I was not – I didn't know what I was going to – I did, had no expectations because uh, mm-hmm. originally we are just walking on a paved road. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is nice, but it's not – it's whatever. <laughs> you, you, wanted, you wanted that dirt path, that right. slightly muddy stomping through the swamp. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to mm-hmm. billy goat my way through the forest, like <laughs> how I love yes. to be. Yes, 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 yes. yes. And so to my delight and my surprise, the guide, he stopped halfway through and then there was basically no path. There was, it was just like the forest, the jungle. And he was like, are you guys ready? (laughs) And I was like, yes. And there was like, it's kind of like a path, like to the right. And I thought we were going to go up that path. And then he was like, we're going this way. And it's just jungle. (laughs) It's 
just like a just, curtain just of leaves. Just a wall of green. Yeah. yeah. Wall Love of green. It's like, are you ready? We're going to go. And so we yeah. hiked all the way up. We're, there was, we had to like grab a bunch of vines and do the whole thing. I had a great yeah. time. Loved every second of it. So Love that. That's my antidote. I saw in your stories <laughs> there was like an older couple right in front of you. Yeah. How was their experience? Because I've been in your position where like suddenly we'll go off trail. Like the yeah, guy yeah, yeah. insists we're going to go off trail. And yes. there's always some sort of older couple in the group, you know, living their life. So good yes. props to them. Yeah. But I, in my experience, when that happens, they love it. They're they're so excited, mm-hmm. but they're also the ones to be most expressive. And they're like, yeah. oh my God, what do you have us doing? Like, oh, watch out there. So did they do any of that? <laughs> no, actually none of the above. They were an older British couple. They've been married for 53 mm-hmm. years because we were chit-chatting. Wow. And yeah. they were just adventurous. Like they, they're, they seem just like a very adventurous couple and they did great. They good. Yeah. They were like I figured very that's... mom's dads. They're like, here, there's right. a vine, honey. Like, hold yeah. the vine. <laughs> so just right. smack you're, you in the you're face. Not, you're not in the middle of a Malaysian rainforest if you're not adventurous. So Correct. I figured they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. All, all right. right, all that, right. That's, that's, uh, we'll wrap nice it up. Nice job, Harini. I'm okay. not going to do a don't risk it, but maybe I'll say don't yeah. risk it for that Civil War break biscuit because what the hell, hell guys? No. Yeah. Bring it all the way up to 2023. We are modern people. No, no. Anyways. No more Gilded Age nonsense. No. All right. None of that. Goodbye. <laughs> all right, guys. All see right. you next time. Peace. Bye.